You know, lots of us just want to get through 2020. And, uh, you know, those, those thoughts make sense. It's been a challenging year. Some of us have lost, you know, dear friends or loved ones. All of us have been extremely inconvenienced by a pandemic, and, and a lot of us just can't wait to get through this election cycle. But that's why we're in the middle of this series called Make Today Count. Because we need to be reminded that even though we're in challenging, difficult times, God is not asking us just to get through this time in our lives, but he wants us to make these days count. And I'm so grateful for the reminders that we had and the songs that we sang today that God is with us even in these difficult times. That there is another in the fire there with us. Because God's promise isn't to take away the troubles and struggles and trials of our lives, but to simply be there with us. We're not alone. And that's what I want to remind us today is that we are not alone. That we have the opportunity to spend time with the one who can help us to make today count. There are all kinds of times in our lives, milestones in our lives, where we get a lot of advice You know, when you graduate high school, it seems like everybody knows what you should do with your life. Am I right, recent graduates? Or when you first get married, or when you have a child for the first time, or when you start a new job or career, it seems like everybody has ideas of what you should do. And and the hard part is sometimes their advice actually conflicts with each other. You know, and and it makes it hard to know what is good advice. But when you get married, you get all kinds of advice, some really good advice if you are newly married. Um, Your wife is less likely to argue with you if you are cleaning. Just remember that. (laughs) That has been really handy over the years. Some advice if you are someone who likes to try new things. If you're someone, though, who doesn't succeed at new things the first time, don't try skydiving. (laughs) That's not good. See, I believe that. That's good advice. Or if you are a first-time parent, some really good advice is to get the new diaper on quickly. That's advice I wish I would have followed. But only one time. Then you learn. Then you learn. And I learned. But sometimes that advice contradicts each other. You should let your baby cry. You should never let your baby cry. You, you, should, you should stand up to your boss. You should do whatever your boss needs you to do. Right? You should hate the Dallas Cowboys or... You should hate the Dallas Cowboys. See, that one is kind of universal. There really is no other side to that one. That's just what it is. Everybody sort of knows that. Am I right? Everybody knows that. But you get this advice and you have to think through it and sort through it. There's so much information in our world. There's so many opinions on on how to handle things today, on how to handle crisis. There are so many voices competing for space in our minds and competing for our thoughts and competing for what we're going to do. And you know what? That doesn't just happen at milestones in our lives. That sounds a lot like this year. And that isn't just this year, but that's how life is. There's so many different people that are trying to help us know what to do. So many opinions. So who do we listen to? 
a while back, uh, a month or so ago, I was looking out in my backyard and we have these small trees and there was a, a storm that was uh, coming through and, and, and we have this wind tunnel in our backyard. It's just crazy, the wind that comes through and it was whipping these trees like on their side, back and forth. They're, they're young enough, they're immature enough that they don't have strong root systems that go down deep and so they're just kind of whipped back and forth. And, and I think that's sometimes how we feel in seasons that we're in, whether that's just, you know, because we are brand new at something and new parenting or new, newly married or, or a new career or, or new at adulting or, or just the season that we find ourselves in. We don't know who to listen to and we feel overwhelmed with information and we feel like that tree's pulled in so many directions, not wanting to do the wrong thing. I think that's how we sometimes can feel. Thankfully, God's word speaks to that very situation. We're going to take a look at, at a group of people in the Bible who, who were living in a time where they had so many voices, so many choices for them, and they had to determine how to live. They needed some direction. What they learned was that if they don't want to be like that small tree without any depth, they learned that rootedness develops through daily encounters with God. I want to take a peek at Acts chapter 17 today. Because I think that's what we all want in life. We want rootedness. And what I mean by that is, is, is we want this sense that we have strong footing, that we're not going to be pushed over or pushed back and forth or, or swayed in the wrong direction. And in Acts 17, 10 to 12, just three verses this morning we're going to look at, Paul and his companion Silas, Paul who was the author of much of the New Testament, and his companion Silas are headed to the town of Berea. And, and, and Berea is an interesting place. While you're turning to Acts 17, uh, I want to uh, tell you a little bit about, let me tell you three things about, real quick about Berea. Berea was already an ancient city by the time Paul got there in the middle of the first century. Historians had already been writing about Berea 450 BC. You know, our, our towns here in America, we are such a young nation. Our oldest towns are 400 years old. And, and, and this city was around for 500 years, and that was over 2,000 years ago. And so these people who had lived there, they had heard it before. They had experienced, experienced shifting cultures before. A second thing I want to tell you about the people of Berea is it was a very prosperous city. And so these people had had, you know, a level of success at life. And, and, and so they weren't easily going to be duped. They weren't desperate people. They were successful. And the third thing I want to tell you ab about Berea is that they had a large Jewish population. And so many of them knew the Old Testament. Many of them had had, have had a, uh, a religious experience. And so here comes Paul, and he has this new message about salvation through a man named Jesus Christ that he claimed was the Messiah. I want us to take a look at how this group of people responded because I think we can learn something from them about becoming rooted. So let's read together Acts 17, 10 to 12. Do you want to stand up and read this with me? If you're at home, you're even welcome to stand up as well to read along with us. Thank you for tuning in today. We're glad that you are here. Acts chapter 17, three verses, 10, 11, and 12. Here we go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You can have a seat. Thanks for reading along with us. Right away as we jump into this text in verse 10, we have to understand the context of these verses because we have to understand why in verse 10 does it say as soon as it was night, they were sent to Berea. What happened that they had to run away or get away in the middle of the night? And one of the things you want to keep in mind whenever you're reading the Bible is to not just pull one verse or two verses out of the story, out of context. You want to read before and you want to read after. You want to try to get a real sense for the context of what's going on and you'll better be able to understand things. And so when we look at the very beginning of Acts chapter 17, we see that Paul is in the city of Thessalonica. Thessalonica sounds a lot like the books of Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Paul had written letters to those, to this city, to the Christians in this city. They were called Thessalonians, where they had lived. And so in his first time visiting there, he goes, as was his custom, it says in verse 2, he goes to the synagogue, and there he begins to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and many people begin to believe in this town that Jesus is, is God, And they put their faith in him. In fact, so many people begin to put their faith in him that there are people in town that become jealous of Paul and of this following. Look at verse five of chapter 17. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and they started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. And so here in in Thessalonica, it's interesting to see what's happening in the ancient world and how relevant it is to our day. You know, in light of the election that is coming up this week, we need to understand that political mobs and rallies are not a new thing. That that people have always uh, gathered around a cause and sometimes political agendas come out of good motives and sometimes political agendas come out of bad motives. It's always been that way. But no matter whether we live when Paul lived at that time, no matter if we live today, no matter what country we live in or nation we live in, no matter who is a president or who is a governor, Jesus is still king. Always. And no matter uh, what comes of our election on Tuesday, that will still be true. Sometimes we get so riled up about uh, political processes and we forget that our main objective is to be on mission with the gospel, to love people no matter where they're from or what they believe. And Paul and, and Silas were in this town where they believed different things than they did, very different political views than they had, but what were they doing? Sharing the gospel. They were loving them in the name of Jesus even though they knew they had disagreed with them. Jesus Christ will still be king. Our hope has never been in a politician. Our hope has always been in Jesus, and it will always be. Whether that's tomorrow or four years from now or 20 years from now, we will be fine. We will be fine. Because fine is following Christ. Whether that's here on earth or whether that is in heaven. It has been that way since Paul was alive. It'll be that way for us. The key is to stay rooted. 
The key is to stay grounded to the mission, to to be on mission to love people in the name of Jesus, no matter what the, the political or economic temperature of the day is, and rootedness, rootedness comes or develops through daily encounters with God. That rootedness that you and I are looking for, that that groundedness, that sense of surety comes and develops through daily encountering God. And so these believers, they get in Thessalonica, they get Paul out of town quickly. Berea was about 45 miles from Thessalonica. So that's about how, how long Paul and Silas had to go. And after having their lives threatened, for sharing the love and the gospel of Jesus in Thessalonica, they hurry to the next town and what do they do when they arrive? Verse 10, we saw it, we read it. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea and what's the next few words? On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Right away, they get back to the mission of telling people about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though they had been harassed, they go right back to telling people about Jesus. Their mission was clear even in politically tumultuous times. Listen, we can never be deterred from our mission. Even with those who we disagree with, we love them. But we also never let them stop us from being on mission. We never let them stop us from telling people about the good news of Jesus because too many people need Christ. But what was so different about these Bereans? What stood out to them? I like, I I love that the author here, Luke, he he researches and and he he gives us a couple things about them that stand out. That's who I want us to look at today to learn how they'd become rooted as well because rootedness develops through daily encounters with God. Take a look at verse 11 and and highlight there, underline in your Bible uh, this phrase uh, towards the end of the verse where it says, they examined the scriptures every day. They examined the scriptures every day. That's what stands out. That's what made their mark. That was what stood uh, the Abereans out from everybody else as they examined the scriptures every day. See, that's where resolve comes from. It's from meetings with God. That's where vision for our lives come from, from meetings with God. That's where direction for our futures come from, from meeting with God, from encountering God. See, if you're gonna make today count, you need to open up the Bible more than you open up social media. If you're gonna make today count and stay grounded, you're gonna need to search for truth in the Bible rather than in table, uh, cable television news. If you are going to, to stay grounded, then, then, then you need your main source to be the Bible rather than the opinions of co-workers or friends. You're going to be grounded. And that is what we want, that resolute strength, that rootedness to, to what our cause is. And that comes from daily encounters with God. Now, in verse 11, we see three other kind of clues that points us to why um, these Bereans searched the scriptures daily. We can understand these people. There's this phrase uh, here in verse 11, the very beginning. It says, the Berean Jews were of more noble character. That phrase literally means they were more open-minded. More open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And isn't that interesting because you would think that a person who is very rooted in what they believe 
wouldn't be open-minded. You would think that person would say, this is what I believe and I'm not gonna change. But actually the opposite is true. A person who is rooted realizes that the rootedness doesn't come from what they think or what they believe, it comes from the scriptures. And so their faith wasn't in their opinions, their faith was, wasn't in their, you know, what they felt or what they thought, but they examined the scriptures for truth. They were open-minded. They, they, could be, they could get into a conversation as long as the scripture was what they were discussing. They, they weren't swayed by someone's opinions, but they could be swayed by the scripture. They were open-minded to it. They looked at it, they searched it, they weren't closed off. And Luke compares them with the Jews in Thessalonica who were stuck and they said, there's no way that Jesus is the Messiah. There's no way that we could be wrong about what the Old Testament says. There's just no way. And with their arms folded, they said, there's no way. But these people in Berea were open to the text. Are you open to scripture? Are you open to changing your mind about things that you might have been taught by family or friends or culture where you could be wrong, where the scripture would say something different? Are you open-minded? That's what the Bereans were. And they said to themselves, I think we might have been wrong. Perhaps Jesus is the Messiah. And they found faith in him. Here's a second uh, little clue into them. It says that uh, they received the message, here's the phrase, with great eagerness. Great eagerness. They had great eagerness, an eagerness for truth. There was a thirst to know what was true. They, They didn't just listen to the echo chambers of those who already thought like they did. But they said, you know what, I wanna actually know what is true. I wanna know what is right. I wanna know what God wants me to do. And so they were willing to listen to someone like Paul who had a different perspective if he was willing to look at the truth, look at the scriptures. They wanted the truth and they were willing to go find it. And they were willing to do the diligent work of studying the scriptures to find it. I love how Wayne Cordero starts his book, one of my favorite reads, I, I've talked about it before, um, called The Divine Mentor. Just a super book on, it says, growing your faith as you sit at the feet of the Savior. And in the beginning of the book, he, 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 in his introduction, he helps us understand why it's so important to dive into God's word on a regular basis and how we meet God. And here's what he says. My best friends are in the Bible. One of them is named David, but he's not alone. He's among a choice community of of top flight instructors who mentor me. Over the years, I have sailed with Noah. I have trekked with Moses. Entering the world of the Bible to learn from my friends and heroes changes me. Jeremiah saved my life, he says. Nehemiah uh, buoyed my faltering ministry. Through his struggles with riches and greed, Solomon tutored me to be a person of excellence without opulence. He writes, I have often heard young leaders decrying the scarcity of mentors, but we have not been looking in the wrong, we have been looking in the wrong places. For the greatest mentors will not be found among those currently on earth. They await us from another gallery. When the student is ready, the mentors will appear. These heroes and legends have been expecting you. For whatever was written in earlier times, the New Testament says, was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. See, God's native uh, tongue is encouragement, but encouragement without change is like a bicycle with only one pedal. Our participation is required. Encouragement turns into hope 
when his instructions find us ready to accept them and apply them. We only have one life to live on this spinning globe and many of us have already halfway through it have realized that life does not neatly fall into our laps without our participation and involvement. Life will only yield its best fruit to the diligent farmers and its treasures to industrious pilgrims. You don't have to live with an endless string of if-onlys. You really don't. God has given an assignment to certain men and women who, though they are dead, still speak. These instructors have been delegated the task and the obligation to tutor those who will enroll. By shadowing these great women and these great men, you can find the help you need when difficult tests come. You can find how to walk both with the heroes and the fools of the Bible. You can start thinking like God thinks so that you can respond as he would respond and you can avoid costly errors and avoid decades of misery. The mentors will lead you to strength, direction, and hope even when you come to life's narrowest and most frightening passages. And the Holy Spirit promises to exhale key lessons from the past into your present and make them come alive. Abraham will mentor you on faith. You will learn from Samson about sexual self-control. Daniel will instruct you on how to influence your community and Ruth will teach you about love and loyalty. Let me take you on the greatest adventure you'll ever experience. Come walk with me as we visit God's men and women of faith. They all await your audience. See, something happens when we encounter the the pages of scriptures, the mentors that you and I so desperately need in our lives to, to walk us through the circumstances that we find ourselves in are there for us, there for us to learn from in these daily encounters with God. These Bereans, they were eager for the truth. Do you have that kind of eagerness? If you want to grow and learn, God is willing to meet you in the scriptures. See, the Bible's words are God's words. It brings us into his presence. And and I know that God is everywhere. And and I know that you can encounter God anywhere. And we're always in his presence. But when we open up his word, we invite him to actually speak. And so while God is there in your life, Perhaps you're walking around with this silent partner who wants to speak into you. He wants to help you with your parenting. He wants to help you to know how to love your parents. He wants to help you know how to reach your community, how to be effective in your job. But you're not asking him. You're not giving him a chance to speak into you the truth and the wisdom that he has. We're always in his presence, but when we open up his word, we invite him to speak. Here's a third phrase about these Bereans that, uh, that I think stands out to me as I was looking at it this week. At the very end, it says that uh, they examine the scriptures every day. Why? To see if what Paul said was true. To see if what Paul said was true. And this is so critical, guys. Listen, because you and I are so tempted to compare what we read in the Bible with what we hear in culture. And we are sometimes get it backwards in that we compare what we read in the Bible to culture and we say, well, the Bible must be wrong. Well, the Bible must be outdated. It doesn't make sense. See, Paul was a popular speaker in his day. He would have been, if he lived today, he'd have been a top five social influencer in our world. 
He'd have been someone that was on everybody's social media channel and they would be listening to him. And so here he comes into this town. He's well known, he's traveling, he's speaking. And, and these Bereans, they said, well, I'm not just gonna believe it because Paul says it. I wanna know if what he is saying is true and so I'm gonna search the scriptures. And listen, sometimes you and I, we believe more what our friends think than what the Bible says. We believe more what we hear on the news than what the Bible says. We believe more what we think or what we feel in our heart has to be right than rather what the Bible says. And what the Bereans did is they ran everything they heard by the Bible. They didn't run the Bible by everything they heard. And there's a difference. They examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. Listen to what this one scholar wrote that I came across this week in my study. He said, the Bible is stable ground for truth. In a bewildering world of social change, political complexity, economic roller coasters, and moral confusion, the Bible is a firm compass we can hold on to. And that's what it is. And do you know what? That scholar is actually passed away now. He wrote that in 1988. Because our world has always been in chaos. It, we gotta stop saying the world is as bad as it's ever been. We gotta stop saying that somehow we, we live in harder times than anybody has ever lived before. The world has gone through all kinds of cycles of good and evil, of hard times and bad times. It's always been that way. And Jesus has always been king. And, and, and Paul and Silas were living in a time and, and similar to ours and they were able to endure it. See, life has always been shifting. Life has always been confusing. But God's word has always been an anchor for truth. It's always been a compass to guide. And it's there for us. We can become rooted. But rootedness develops through these daily encounters with God. That's where rudeness comes from. Why did these Bereans meet daily? Why did they daily examine the scriptures? Why did they meet daily with God? It's not a legalistic thing. Like if you don't have your God time today, you're gonna have a bad day. It's not like that. Don't believe that. If you feel that way, that's not true. Okay, when we, when we, when we miss our time with God, it doesn't ruin, potentially ruin our day. God loves us too much for that to happen. But here's the thing. If we don't, if we don't spend time with God on a regular basis, then we're just not gonna get to know him very well. It's like a, more of a casual friend than a, a deep, acquaint, intimate uh, relationship, friendship. See, people always make time for those that are important to them. People always make time. We, we gotta stop saying this, this. I, I, I wish I was closer to God than I am. I just heard that this weekend. I was at a retreat uh, with our young adults, the Pursuit Group, uh, down at the lodge. And, and Mitch Moser, Kim uh, Moser, our director of the lodge, Mitch was sharing in one of the sessions. And he said, we gotta stop saying that I wish I was closer to God than I am. He says, it's not true. It's not true. We're as close to God as we wanna be. We're as close to God as we wanna be. If you really wish you were closer to God, then you'd get closer to God. If I really wanted to spend more time with God, then I simply would. I'm as close to God as I want to be. That's the truth. Rootedness develops through these daily encounters with God. And, and, and the more time that I, what I how much I, uh, time I spend with God says something about how I feel about him. 
And that's why daily is so important, having that regular time with him. Man, I've been around men and women who have a depth to their relationship with God. Who, when you walk away from them, you feel as if maybe you were with God. Like you, you, you caught that presence of, of God on them. And, and, and anytime I get to know that person, what I find out is that they've been someone who's had a consistent, long period of time that they've spent with God on a regular basis for years and years. See, there's no quick way to get rooted. It doesn't happen in one weekend. It doesn't happen in one week. It doesn't happen in one service or at a day. There's no quick way to get rooted. It, it happens over time. You talk to somebody who is, who is wealthy, who's really good with money, and, and you ask them, how did you become wealthy? There's no quick way. They'll tell you that, that it was consistent investment and spending with discipline over a period of time. That's how you gain wealth. You talk to a person who's fanatical about their fitness, about their health, and you say, how do you get healthy? And you say, is there any really quick way that I can get really healthy? And the answer is no. Health comes from discipline of our diet and our exercise over a long period of time. You talk to a person who has a, a great relationship, a great marriage, or a great friendship, and you say, you know, you're kind of a love expert. How, how, how did I get that? How does that happen? It happens over 20 years, 30 years, sometimes 60 years in a marriage of daily pursuing one another, of, of putting another person's interests above yourself. There's no quick way to deep intimacy. It takes time a time of doing the right things, of spending the time pursuing that person. What's my point? My point is that rootedness develops through daily encounters with God. That's my point. That consistent regular time with God through the scriptures like the Bereans had will begin to transform you, will begin to change you, that you'll be a different person. You know, Less than 10 minutes a day can get us through the whole New Testament in one year. 10 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day, we could probably read through the Bible in a year. 20 minutes a day. And, and I want you to think with a long-term perspective like we do about our health or about our, our wealth or, or, or about our relationships. If you, if you think about it in a long-term way, what, what could you or I look like? What would our lives, what would our character look like if we read the Bible and we, and we did that for five years, or we did that for 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, we began to pursue God and we thought about it that way, what kind of person would you and I become after those kinds of daily encounters with God? There's all kinds of ways to read the Bible. And, uh, and, and the best way is the way that you do it. The best way is the way that you'd simply do it. But let me give you three quick things I think that are helpful. Um, three basic components of a successful time, regular time with God. It's a time, it's a place, and it's a plan. If you want to develop a regular time with God, a habit of a daily encountering God, then you simply need a time, a place, and a plan. Here's what I mean by that, a time. You just got to set a regular time where you're going to encounter God. You got to say, I'm going to do it in the morning when I wake up, or I'm gonna do it in the evening at this time, or in the afternoon, or at lunch, or whatever it is. But you gotta set a time. Everything in our life that, that is important to us, that we want to happen, 
we schedule. If it's not in my schedule, it doesn't usually happen, okay? And, and I'm sure that your life is the same way. And so we have to schedule those things that are important to us to a time. Number two, a place. It's really helpful to have a place where you do your time with God because it kind of says to you when you sit down there, it's like you tell yourself, I know what I'm here for. I'm here to meet with God. And I've just found over the years, and many people have as well, that it's really helpful if you have a place where you sit down with God. A certain chair in your house, the, 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 uh, the bed of your truck before you get into to work, uh, uh, whatever it is, wherever it is, it's helpful if you have a place that you sit at a certain time, in a certain place, and then you need a plan. Uh, all kinds of great plans are out there, but you just need one. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, you know that. And so you just need a plan. There's all kinds of great ones out there. Some simple ones that, that we use um, in Fight Club, we use Proverbs to get into the word. We, we, we simply, you, you probably have heard this by now, but we simply say whatever day of the, uh, of the, the, of, of the month it is, like today is November the 1st. Can, I, can you believe that? Oh my goodness, it's November the 1st. So you'd be, today you'd be reading Proverbs chapter one. And then on the second, the se- you know, Proverbs chapter two, and you just kind of go through, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, you can read one a day. And the reason Proverbs is a great place to start if you're a new habit in spending time with God, it talks about wisdom, it talks about uh, 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 money, it talks about relationships, just a lot of good stuff there that's real practical and could help you get started in your journey of spending time with God. If you've been reading Proverbs for a while or, or you've been doing stuff, the Gospel of John, it's a great place to start to, to read about Jesus' life. Just read about Jesus and do what he did. Just read about Jesus and be like him. And, and that'll, be, that'll keep you focused for a pretty long time. And so maybe reading the Gospel of John, uh, a chapter a day is a great place to, to learn about the life of Christ. Uh, you're probably familiar with the YouVersion app. Maybe you're not, but the YouVersion app on our smartphones, man, has so many great plans. Uh, my son Ethan and I are, are reading through one right now about how to make choices. And, and, and you can just kind of pick, there's three days, there's five days, there's 10 days, there's a half year, there's a whole year plan. You can search a topic, you wanna read about something, you can search it. You know how to get a girl, it's there, teenage boys. No, I'm kidding, that one's not there. That one's not there. But, uh, but you know, you can find a topic that you wanna research and, and you can just, you know, read about it. Or you wanna go through the New Testament in a year, you wanna go through the Bible in a year, you find those and, uh, and, and they're there for you. So the YouVersion app is a great place to, to get some different options. Another, another idea or another plan, something that we call 555, where, where you simply, if you're getting started, you spend five minutes of time uh, listening, uh, reading God's word, five minutes of listening and, and then five minutes of praying. And so, and as you, as you grow, and maybe you say, you know what, I want to do, I, I have a half hour and spend with God, and maybe it's 10, 10, 10, where you spend 10 minutes reading God's word. And then the listening part is really good. It's really helpful. Just, you need to stop. In our world, we have so, we just rush to the next thing. And what you do when you listen is you don't say anything. You read God's word, and then you listen. And it's, it's amazing how he might bring some things to mind for you to, to work on from that passage where you just listen to what God has to say to you, where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And then, and then maybe you have five or you have 10 minutes of praying. And maybe you make a list and, and so it reminds you of things you wanna pray about, people you wanna pray for. <clears throat> and again, there's, there's some really neat apps out there today. I can tell you about one if you, if you ask me. Some great ways to help you have a prayer list. 
And, and, and maybe you've heard it. Here, here's one more idea. The last one I gave this. There's a lot of great ideas. These are just a couple that I'm think, giving you, but there's a lot of great ones. Something that my wife has done more than I have, but I, I like this. It actually comes from this book that I was uh, reading from earlier, The Divine Mentor, is a process called soaping. S-O-A-P. Uh, soap stands for, um, S stands for scripture, then observation, then application, and then prayer. And uh, <clears throat> so you read maybe a chapter of the Bible and then you pick out a, a verse that you're gonna focus on that one scripture for the day and then you write, okay, from this one verse, what's an observation? What do I learn about God or what do I learn about life? And you write down that observation. And then the application, okay, what does that mean to me? What do I need to do because of that? So you write down one application. That means that I probably should, you know, um, whatever it is, you write it down. And then what's your prayer based on that? Okay, God, based on this, I am praying for this. And I think I even threw a, a picture of my, uh, <clears throat> one of my soaps. I don't do this very often. I'm sure you can't read that because my writing is not so good. But um, you can look. This is from two years ago in August. John 16, 13 was the verse I focused on. So that day I must have read something in John. And that was the one verse that kind of stuck out to me that God sort of gave me that nugget that day. And so I wrote it down. Something's really cool about writing scripture. You begin to learn it and memorize it. So I wrote it down. Um, I have told you these things so that in my, in, in you, uh, in me, you may have peace. I can't even read my writing. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so here's my, here's my observation that day. Trouble is inevitable in a broken world, but peace is possible in the midst of our trouble because Jesus has overcome the ultimate chaos and sin in our lives. He also helps us overcome in the midst of our daily struggles. And so here's my application. God, I need to lean into Jesus today with every, with, I don't know what I'm saying, with every care that comes up. Jesus is the one who overcomes, not me. He does overcome. And then here's my prayer. Jesus, thanks for the peace you offer in eternal life and life right now. I know how dependent I am on you for everything. Go with me today. I love you. That's just a simple way. That is not a, that is not a model, by the way. I'm, I'm a terrible journaler. I can't even read it like you saw. But you know what? That's cool. I have that from two years ago. I can go back and read those things. And if you begin to do that over time, you, you have a really neat library of stuff going back and, and sharing uh, even with other people, even with your kids, if, if you want. So soaping is another idea. But it doesn't matter how you do it. It's just that you do it. Uh, small groups are a great place to break down God's word too. In our small group, I mean, we're able to talk about things and compare what God's teaching us and making sure that we're on the right track. Believers studying God's word together is, is how God has matured his people year after year, generation after generation, ever since the beginning of time. And so that's a great place to do it. Well, John, you're telling me I should read the Bible. Wow, that's mind-blowing. I never thought I'd hear that at church. I know that's what you're thinking, Right? Here's the thing, we know we should do it, but man, it is so hard. It is so hard. I'm a pastor, and I'm telling you, I've been a pastor for 21 years. I started when I was five. And, uh, and, and it is hard, it is hard to get into God's word. It's hard to be regular about it. You know, we have so many reasons why. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's because, uh, you know, we're busy. It's because sometimes we're lazy. It's because sometimes we're just distracted by life. You look at your phone an average of 142 times a day. That's a big distraction, right? That's why we gotta put our phones in other places, another, another uh, message. But um, laziness, distracted, we don't, sometimes we, we don't understand the Bible. It's confusing to us. It's confusing to me. 
Um, and, and so that's the reason why we don't. It, it's, sometimes we're scared our lives are gonna be challenged. We don't wanna read it because we know that we're gonna see that we're wrong. And, we, and so we kind of hide ourselves from it as if it's not really true. Uh, sometimes we just say, you know, I'm not a reader. But listen, there's some great ways we can listen to the Bible. There's some great ways to connect. We have all kinds of, you have all kinds of good excuses. I have all kinds of good excuses. But listen, we, we, what would happen if we actually did it? What would happen if we would spend time with God? What would happen if you made a time, if you made a place, if you made a plan? What could happen in your life? Well, look what happened in Berea. Let's, let's close by looking at verse 12. As a result, as a result of what? of daily examining the scriptures. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number, a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. What happened? Their city was changed. Their city was changed because they daily met with God in his word. And if you make a habit of daily meeting with God, your world will be changed as well. You will become a different person and a new person. Their town was changed. Your world will be changed as well. Rootedness develops through daily encounters with God. I was a pretty new Christian when I went away to to college. I had just been following the Lord just for a short time. And, and, And I began spending time with God on a regular basis while I was there. And there was this place that was, became really special to me. It was in the second floor behind a stairwell of the Engineering, Nursing, and Science building. There was a really cute nursing major that I knew there at college. And so I liked going into that building. And in, in, in that, in that, behind that stairwell on that second floor, there was this huge window I could overlook the lake and, and I'd spend time with God there. And, and that was my place during those college years. And I'm telling you, Behind that stairwell, God changed my life. It was behind that stairwell in those meetings with God where I realized that Tara was a great find and I better marry her really quick before she sees who she's with. <laughs> it, was in, it was in those daily encounters with God that, that I wrestled with this call to, to be a pastor where I said, God, there's no way. Man, I'm not worthy. God convinced me that he was calling me into ministry. And and then over the years, the place has changed, but it was in that time with God, it was in that seat with God where he moved us to Indiana. It was in that seat with God and those times with him, those daily encounters where he called us to adopt. And those daily encounters with God is where he will change your life. It's those daily encounters with God where you gain strength to endure cancer. It's in those daily meetings with God that you gain strength and wisdom to know how to navigate 2020. It's in those daily encounters with God where he changes you because rootedness develops through daily encounters with God. Jesus, I'm so grateful that we get to serve you. We need you and you're the one that we can lean on You're the one who has hope for a hurting world. Lord, in shifting times, you're the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, today, we again are recognizing that and coming to you for the health or for the help that we need, for the truth that we need, Lord, to navigate this world. 
And so God, I pray that you would give us a hunger for truth, a hunger to search for you, a hunger to to find you, Lord, and to, to follow you and to love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.